This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Dorita already mentioned about the kindness rocks. I said, Carol, please make sure to leave a message for me about this on the pulpit so I won't forget these lovely, lovely rocks. Creative uh, Connections has an Instagram, by the way. Feel free to follow it and press that little heart button whenever you just feel blown away about how amazing these kids are, which for me is often. But these little kindness rocks are hidden in the sanctuary. They're hidden all around the church. You know, kindness, I think, is my greatest takeaway in the last few months, feeling overwhelmed by some of the arguing that's happening in our country and how to, how to be present for people, how to love people, how to care about that, and how to not want to punch people in the nose. <laughs> Has anybody experienced that feeling? <laughs> I think that's normal, right? I have this tiny little grandson. His name's Gene, and he's 13 months, and he's learning about life, right? And we, we have this, like, pen that we pen him in. It's called Babyland. And because or petting zoo would be different, but we because we got we got three babies. We actually have a, a young woman living with us right now, uh, with a six with a three week old baby, and a um, a sixteen month old. Uh, and um, prayers for that little baby would be really 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 appreciated. Anyway, he wanted to get out of baby land and go run around, and the door got shut in his face. When you're this tall, that feels real personal, right? And he fell down in front, and I saw him clasp his little fists, right? And he looked down, and this, like, you could see, this is a new emotion. This is a brand-new experience happening for him. And the arms tightened, and he shook his little fists. And then he got up, and he was okay. (laughs) And I'm like, that one's called anger, that one's called anger, and it's given to us as a gift of God. Angry can be okay when we don't hurt each other. And angry sometimes covers sadness, right? He was so sad he didn't get to go out of baby land and follow his mom and dad around, right? So if we can dig out our sadness, we can build empathy, which is kindness. Be kind to each other. That doesn't mean let people steamroll over us. Baby has to still stay in baby land. That's just the rule. But I can be loving around that and empathetic and kind, right? So those kindness rocks touched me this week, thinking about how important it is to teach kindness right now and um, how okay it is to feel angry and how we want to move from anger into recognizing that sadness And then empathy to kindness. Let us pray. Amazing and wonderful God, you give us this range that is called human. And some of us have some range and others other range. And we develop points of view and perspectives. But you call us together in the church to love each other, to find kindness, to find a way to make a good law to make good love and to do it together, not just for ourselves, 
though we are transformed, but for our communities and for our world. What we do here matters thanks to you, your love, and your call. In your most wonderful name, amen. Our God in heaven, holy is your name, your reign come, your will done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily and help us forgive as we have been forgiven. In the time of trial, lead us into light, for yours is the kingdom and the power Reading now from Mark. But the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any food, so there was only one loaf of bread and with them with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. They decided he was saying this because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, Why are you so worried about having no food? Won't you ever learn or understand? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? What about the 5,000 men I fed with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand even yet, he asked them. Getting our tech all set here. Okay. So this is from the Psalm 78. 
Oh, my people, listen to me. Hear my instruction. Soak up every word of what I am about to tell you. I will open my mouth in parables. I will speak of ancient mysteries, things that we have heard about, things that we have known, things which our ancestors declared to us again and again. We will not keep these things secret from their, our children. Uh, we will tell the coming generation all about the praise that is due to the Eternal One. We we will tell them about God's strength, God's power, and God's wonders. Hard to do, though, right? Hard to share God's word. We get this um, very difficult scripture that sometimes we can follow fairly well, where uh, Dan just read about uh, the, the disciples saying, well, what is the deal with the bread? And Jesus says, let me just, just lay this out for you. But so often these parables are hard to get into. So often we feel that we can't understand the Bible. I remember sitting with a boyfriend at 16, and I really wanted to understand the Bible better, and so did he. And we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. But we read the Bible together. I think I needed more help than that. I think that I had so many questions. In the communion line, one of our children asked me, why is the body broken? That's a really good question, so we had to have a little conversation about that. I'm not going to go into that now, but I'm betting you have questions too. Sometimes when I go in and I unpack one of these scriptures, it can feel different people have different experiences around what I'm doing here. My goal is to help us be courageous to unlock what the scripture says so that we can feel sure when we hear somebody out there say, well, God just wants to smite everybody, that you can say, well, that's, that's not true. Because in the parable of the tares, in the parable of the leaven, in the story that Jesus brings us while the sea is raging, we're reminded that God loves us. We're reminded that God is present with us. I found this to be a powerful tool in my own life, to reclaiming a faith I thought I understood, a faith I had rejected because I thought I understood it. And it really took coming back to the stories for me to reclaim who God really was in my own life. The other thing that I want to do when I speak with all of you on Sunday, and we've had some success or not, in the beginning I preached from the center. It was my hope that in showing you my own vulnerability before God, my own faith, my own love of God, that you would experience it, that you would move from being students in desk seats taking notes that puts us in the place of like the art critic or the theater critic. Is the theater critic there to be moved or to share? It's easy to put our own journey of faith aside and try to do what's right. That's called formalism sometimes. Well, sometimes it seems like when I do this, I'm rambling. That's why I've heard, oh my goodness, Roshenda, you're just rambling. And some folks feel much better when I just read it from the, from the scroll. But there are other folks who experience rambling, 
as me being faithful in the moment to the spirit within me, being willing to be vulnerable to that spirit so that I'm not perfect, to show that imperfection so that when you experience that unknowing, when you don't have the words because of what you feel deeply inside you, that it's gonna be okay, that I have modeled that for you. That doesn't separate you from loving God. It doesn't mean God isn't with you. The other thing I've been told is that my, I can be too theatrical. Well, you know, that's just in the gene pool. <laughs> we live in a Shakespeare town. And I think one person, wise person, said to me, I think we're suspicious of anything that feels theatrical. I don't want to tell you about that one. That's just kind of me. I have a big wingspan. Look at that. That's like albatross size. Yes, that's right, one set of wings. I've always been big on the outside, bigger even than I feel on the inside sometimes. My husband calls me an emotional amplifier. It's great in big settings. It can be harder one-on-one. -on -one. But I'm not trying to be theatrical. I'm definitely not trying to put on a show. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying to show you what's inside me, the places where I feel God touches me and calls me. That's what we're all doing here, right? Because God calls us and touches us. And we all have our different ways. And it can be disorienting when somebody's way is very different from your own, especially if that person talks at you for 15 minutes every week. <laughs> so I invite you to suspend judgment. If we are truly in the presence of the Lord, no matter how terrible a preacher I am, something will be there for you because it's not about me. It's about you and God and our time together. I'm here because I love God. I'm here because God changed my life in ways I will never. Good thing I'm not expected to repay it because I never could. Like Phoebe Palmer, I cast myself before the Lord. I'm messy. I'm imperfect. I'm different than some of us expected. But I am who I am in God by faith, by care, and by love. And I promise always to bring that. Always. I have a whole sermon prepared. Mwahaha. <laughs> well, I'm not really gonna go into it too much because I think what's more important is this. In the old days, old, old days, not so old days in some places, the women made the bread for the whole village. This story is about feeding people. It's also about something kind of interesting, the yeast inside the bread. 
We forget sometimes that bread comes from God, right? We go to the store to buy it, or maybe where the farmer herd grows it, and the ground is just expected to grow wheat, and there's just expected that the rain will fall, or that we'll make money on the sale, or that it will cost us money in the store. But sometimes we forget that it's always about God, that God grows the wheat, that it is God's creation. And inside bread is something called yeast. So this is your random tidbit of ancient culture portion of this morning service. Yeast is thought to be alive. Okay, we're going to go past the marbling because we're just not going to worry about that. There's that wonderful loaf of bread that has been offered, the wheat and the water and the yeast. Yuck. Anybody want a big spoonful of yeast? Mmm. Yeast isn't an animal, but it has animal-like characteristics. It's not a plant, but it has plant-like characteristics. It's not a bacteria, but it has... So it's kind of got a life of its own, you would say. We affirm that science now, but the ancient people knew it too. They believed it had a spirit, and they believed the spirit of yeast could be allied to either God or the evil one. They believed the whole world were full of spirits, and this is where we get back to the marbling. We like to separate, okay, we like to separate heaven and earth, right? The ancient people didn't do that. They recognized there were differences, but they weren't separable. You couldn't separate them out. So when we get to the yeast, we're talking about the bread, we're not separating out the part of bread that's from heaven and the part of bread that's from earth. The yeast is a, has a spirit, it's an entity with a spirit, and that spirit can either be allied with God to make good things happen, or it can be evil, allied with evil. So when Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, dun, 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 do you remember this meme? The gopher, right? He's hiding. And then it's like, dun, dun, dun. It's supposed to be kind of a horror show. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Jesus is saying that the spirit of the Pharisees, when the Pharisees are giving blessings, when they're talking about uh, faith, that, they're, that the spirit is not aligned to God. And when you take that in to you, you are in fact taking in bad spirits. They believed that's weird to us, right? Is that weird? That's why we say grace. See, you're a little bit of tidbit there. We say grace to align the spirits of the food we eat to God so that when we intake it, it nourishes our bodies and our souls. Crazy, right? It's lost to us. It's lost to us and frankly, we're, we, we don't believe that anymore. We don't think that our... Can you imagine if every time you cut into a piece of bread, you imagine little dancing spirits in there wondering what the yeast was getting up to? First of all, it'd be exhausting. I have enough toddlers in my life to worry about what they're getting up to, let alone the spirits of the yeast. But that is where this story comes from. And so we have Jesus talking. Sorry, that is, that are the, that's the people who hear Jesus' words. Woohoo! And this is the people from the synagogue. No, the, the leaders of the synagogue who really want Jesus to be saying something else. And this is us just dancing. I know, right? My, my, silly, my silly scrolls. So 
The trouble is that we don't have faith in this. We don't believe that the kingdom is really rising. We don't really believe that in the dough, in the bread, in the sharing of the bread, that the kingdom can really arise and be alive, not in the future, not in the past, but right now where we are, where we eat, who we are, who we're with, our family together. And the disciples, and you know, don't feel too bad because the disciples don't believe it either. And they're right there standing next to Jesus all the time, hearing Jesus' words all the time. And Jesus says, why are you talking about the fact that you don't have any bread? They have this one loaf. They're very concerned. Don't you grasp what's happened? Don't you understand? Are your hearts so resistant to what God is doing And then he says all the parable words, eyes to see and ears to hear. He says, don't you have eyes? Can't you see? Don't you have ears? Can't you hear? Don't you remember when I broke five loaves of bread and those 5,000 people, how many baskets of leftovers did you gather? So we have all these arguments as Western rationalists about whether it's really real that when Jesus broke the bread that there really did miraculously appear all these other loaves. And we argue about what it really means, how we can really understand it. In the ancient times, they believed the miracle was the spirit in the bread, and the spirit of God actually made more bread. Right? It's weird to us. It's hard to believe that. But we don't We may not know the mechanism, and ancient people may not have known the mechanism. One of the things I've heard said is that what happened when one person started breaking bread, everybody got bold to bring what they had to share. That's a spiritual act, too. And I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. But if we suspend our faith and we wonder what the Spirit is up to, I think the Long ago, they could have used a little bit more Western rationalism. I think there was probably some real trouble caused when you chase people around thinking they're possessed by demonic spirits. I think we could use a little of their spirituality, recognizing that the world is alive, that there is a spirit of kindness, and that when we hold a rock painted by a child asking us to love, that there's something to it. And when we share bread, when we're unafraid to believe that there will be enough, there will be. There really will be. We just need to step up and find a way to believe it kingdom of God is like yeast which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat until the yeast had worked its way through the hole. The kingdom of God is like the work of a million working in the good news of the spirit transforming the world to work through all creation to make room rising and rising. It does not stay the size of itself but on earth as it is in heaven. The transformation from flour to bread Hundreds are fed, not just the food of the body, but the food of the spirit, the food of creation. It's not a single loaf. It's all of the world, all of heaven, 
risen up to glorify and live a life that glorifies God. And as Jesus would say, do you have ears to hear? Amen.